0: having recently finished the book of Revelation, I get to pick and choose for a few weeks here going topical on you. This morning we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit probably is the most misunderstood part of the Godhead. that we attempt to study about God. He is very content to take a back seat and promote Jesus. And He does. Uh, I've been in services where they prayed to the Holy Spirit. You don't see that in Scripture. You never see anybody offering a prayer to the Holy Spirit. We do pray prayers led of the Spirit but we do not necessarily pray to the Spirit. For He is more than willing to point us towards Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper and He's going to be just like me. So, this morning we're going to study the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered what Jesus would do in your particular or in my particular situation. Well, you know, for a few years back, we all wore the little braces, WWJD, and they, they work to an extent, and if they help you remember what Jesus would do, that's good. But take that thought just a little further. What would you say if perhaps the Apostle Paul were to come and visit the churches of Madison County? Hmm, what would Paul have to say to us if he visited our fellowship here? What would Paul have to say to us? Would he say, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren? He said that to the Thessalonians. Would Paul talk about death of our bodies and all that's going to go on there? Or would he talk about the rapture, the soon return of Christ? maybe he would ask why are you so caught up into works when everything should be about grace the Galatians and that's where we're going to take our text from this morning Galatians 3 the Galatians experience Paul's observation of them of their church Paul came out and talked to them about their Christian life, even their tendencies. So, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, and we'll look at the first five verses in chapter 3. Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Do you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Last week, Easter Sunday, we had a, we had a great day here. And it was sort of a homecoming for some of our college students that are away at school and so forth. And one young man commented to me. He said, "You seem to be getting soft, Pastor Dunn." Thanks, bud. <laughs> and I won't mention that it was Quinn Oddi. But what would cause Quinn to say that? I told him, Quinn, you come next week, and I'll give you a little fire and brimstone, buddy. But Quinn, Quinn's not here today, so he can't hear it. But anyway. But the truth remains, are we drifting? The Galatians were. Are we getting soft on sin? Is our testimony still strong among those that perhaps do not believe? Do we even take it so far that we try to please God in and of our flesh? Paul begins chapter 3 with O foolish Galatians This letter to the Galatians it's not to one little body it's to a group of churches not one church in particular Galatia was a region it was like a state it was a county perhaps not one city in chapter 1 of the first chapter of Galatians, verse 6, Paul marvels that the church of Galatians are so soon turning away from Him who called you in the grace of Christ. They're so soon turning away. Of course, the Him there, the One who called us, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit calls, draws each of us to Christ, That's how we become a Christian. And Jesus said, speaking of the Holy Spirit, all sin will be get forgiven, man, except one. And that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now to blaspheme, it requires a knowledge. You have to knowingly attribute the works of Satan as being works of God. That is blaspheming. Now, that is a broad, broad interpretation of blasphemy. There's some Bible scholars, some teachers who say blasphemy is simply rejecting the truth of Christ. I get close to home. It's delaying or not believing in the work of Jesus on the cross and that that work applies to me personally. Personally, thus not believing living and dying in my sins then the ultimate blasphemy when he the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of Jesus to a person and that is part of his responsibility for that person to reject the truth that has been made manifest, made known to him by God the Spirit, that person is in a very precarious situation. Many believe to reject Christ, to delay accepting Christ, is to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit it is critical what we do with the truth of Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. We can find ourselves taking a stand for the truth, or we can just kind of be blasé about it, not even doing anything about the cross of Christ. And the cross of Christ and the decisions we make about it It's life or death. And it's that simple. And Paul, he warns the Galatians, don't be foolish. And then Paul asks a question. He says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth of a crucified Christ? Bewitched? We're not talking about the TV sitcom now bewitched is to deceive by demonic power or to charm or fascinate through deceitful words that is to be bewitched and sad to say those charming deceitful words they can come from pulpits in christian churches across america It's one thing to be bewitched by sinful agendas like TV or movies or things like that, but to be bewitched by Bible-believing churches or a Christian pastor, that's deplorable. Paul says to anyone who believes, anyone that would believe a spiritual lie, he says, you are foolish. Why would Paul say that? Because we have the Word of God. And we're not to be deceived. To me, Paul is being kind in his observation. Paul in verse 2, he wants to know, how did you receive the Spirit? The Holy Spirit that indwells every believer. Did the Jewish law lead you to? A relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit? No. Did you become a believing Christian by doing good works? No. Because our good works are righteousness apart from the grace of God. Well, Paul has a, another saying for that. He says it's like filthy rags. There is no righteousness in us apart from Grace and believing in Jesus Christ. And you say, well, we know that, Pastor Don. And I say to you, good. Put it in your memory bank. Store that away. And don't ever forget it. Because, believe it or not, the majority of people that call themselves Christians today, over 50% believe it's because of good works. That is alarming. That goes beyond being foolish. And unfortunately, that is reinforced from many pulpits across our nation. Many of the rich, they believe their salvation comes through their charitable gifts. Like Warren Buffett, for one. Others believe it's because they are fair in their business practices. I'm a good businessman. I don't cheat anyone. Others think, well, I don't cheat on my wife. I'm a faithful husband. I treat my neighbors good. I don't kick the dog when I come home from work, etc. If you put your trust and hope in anything apart from a crucified Christ, then you've got your hope and trust in the wrong place. And you have been bewitched or deceived. You've been charmed to believe a lie that your good deeds equal salvation. Part of that foolish deception that Paul talks about is thinking that you can be made perfect in the works of your flesh. We wouldn't be that foolish, would we? Have you ever heard this, perhaps? It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you truly believe it and are sincere. I can tell you right now, you can sincerely go to hell with a bad belief. Within three verses here, Paul has pointed out twice how foolish the Galatians are. And that strikes a little close to home. Are we also foolish, having begun in the Spirit, and each of us that are a believer have begun in the Spirit, that now we rely upon our flesh? Sometimes I believe we depend or trust in the blessings of God versus God. What do I mean by that? How easy it is to trust in the things God has blessed us with versus God. Like saving accounts. Or let's form a committee and research the pros and cons of doing some church endeavor. You can be doing those things in the flesh if you're not careful. Now I don't think for a moment that we should ever spin beyond our means. I'm very conservative that way. And I think we're always required to be good stewards. But I also firmly believe without faith it's hard to please God. No, I don't. I believe without faith it's impossible to please God. It's not difficult. It's impossible. Bill talked about it briefly this morning. There's a Harvest America crusade coming in August. Greg Laurie, a great evangelist out on the West Coast, Riverside, he's going to be doing a simulcast across America. We want to be part of that. It's the gospel going out and we want to be part of that. And we will be part of that. So today with those little bookmarks, begin to pray. Begin to pray for the unsaved. Begin to pray that this will be a mighty move of the Holy Spirit in America, that a revival will come to America. And it will also be for us an opportunity to exercise faith and hopefully evangelize our area. But it's going to be costly. It's not going to be free. It's going to cost money. We're going to have to get some equipment in here to do this, but we're going to do it. But by God's Spirit, we're going to move forward on this adventure, really kind of an adventure in faith. And our prayer is that God by His Spirit will send revival to America, to our area, right here to Madison County. So we as a people, we want to be praying. We want to be giving towards this Harvest America crusade. Why? Because we believe this is the way the Holy Spirit is directing us. And it's that simple. And we cannot function apart from the Holy Spirit and cannot do anything known as good works apart from the Spirit of God regardless how good our intentions might be in John 14 Jesus had some words for us let me read them to you John 14:15 through 18 and Jesus is saying and he said if you love me keep my commandments and i will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells in you and with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus spoke this to His disciples. He's trying to prepare His disciples for His departure. The disciples are saddened by this news that He's going away, He's going to depart. And Jesus tells them, I'm going to give you a Helper. What a beautiful description and name for the Holy Spirit, the Helper. The Holy Spirit, the divine assistant that we each have, the Holy Spirit who is just like Jesus, will abide with believers forever. Then in the next verse, Jesus takes it further. Not only will the Holy Spirit, a person, be with you as believers, notice that it's for believers, not unbelievers, The Holy Spirit is for Christians only. God doesn't give His Spirit to non-Christians. We Christians should know Him, the Holy Spirit. For He dwells with us. And Jesus says He will be in us. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He will not force himself upon any person, the Holy Spirit. To dwell a person, to be in a believer, he must be invited in. He will not force himself upon us. And he comes into a Christian's life the same way we become a Christian by an invitation. We invite Jesus to come in, cleanse us of our sins be our propitiation for sin, we trust in Him and we believe in Him, He becomes our Lord and Savior. Jesus says the Holy Spirit does it the same way. He comes and indwells us by invitation. Because the wording there is clear, He says, and He will be in you. As Christians... You cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Jesus intimates the here, though, that we need to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and into our being. We need to welcome Him in. The Holy Spirit is simply God's gift to us. and He waits to be invited in to our lives, to be part of our lives. There is the threefold work of what we call the Holy Spirit, and it's all described by prepositions. With, in, and upon. The threefold work of the Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit works with a person to draw that person to Jesus, to expose that person to Jesus. And without the working with us, no one would ever choose God. No one would ever choose Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's that working with us that draws us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, working with us to save us. then we have the promise from Jesus. Not only does the Holy Spirit dwell with us, but He desires to be in us. To be our helper. To be our comforter. Paul, in uh, one of his uh, epistles, he writes, I'm going to tell you a mystery about the Christian faith. He said that mystery is God dwelling in us. That is the Holy Spirit. And then we come upon the upon experience. Acts 1.8 Theme, really, of the book of Acts. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power to be a witness to Jesus. Power to be a witness to your friends and neighbors. Power to live that Christian life as an example. Today we have many questions that surround the Holy Spirit, even within the Christian church. Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, he went to Ephesus. And he found some disciples of Christ there who were already <clears throat> believers. They already accepted Christ as their Savior. And Paul asked them in Acts chapter 19, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Their answer is amazing. We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about, Paul? Paul then prays for him. They received the Holy Spirit, and it says, "...and many spoke with tongues and prophesied." So Paul prays for them, they receive the Holy Spirit, and He dwells upon them. The point here, though, the Holy Spirit was not even known by these disciples of Christ. Let me read you one last passage, and that's in Luke 11, 9-13. It was our Scripture reading this morning, but it bears repeating. I'm going to read it to you again. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened to If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Then listen to the contrast. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, to those who ask for Him. It's a promise. You don't have to go through uh, any penitence. You don't have to do anything except ask for the Holy Spirit. All you've got to do, God says, I'll give Him to you if you will simply ask. Our God gives good gifts. The Holy Spirit is simply God's way of giving Himself to us, His children. I'm going to get you to stand, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask that the Lord would give us His Holy Spirit. Now, maybe you've prayed this prayer. Or maybe you've always just assumed that you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you perhaps do. But it's never bad to ask God to do what His Word says for us to do. Ask and He will give. So agree with me in prayer if you will. Father God, we here are Your people. We're Your children. We believe on Your Son. We accept Him as our Lord and Savior. But Lord, we want to receive Your Holy Spirit too. We know it's a good gift. We know the Holy Spirit is our helper, our comforter. We know He will teach us all things. So we ask You to give us Your Holy Spirit. We receive Him by faith. Do this good work, Lord. Change our lives if necessary. Guide us, lead us, and direct us by Your Spirit that now dwells within us. And we pray for this and ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.